Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 39. Holy crap. All right, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Welcome to the family. It's nice to have you here. If you're a longtime listener, you know I love you. And you know our drill. For the drill, it is as follows. All of the notes are on my website in the show notes category. Go there for everything. And while you're there, check out my incredible food and product photography. It's what I do for a living. It's how I pay my bills. Hire me. I take amazing photos. I help increase your brand visibility and revenue. What? Yeah. If you have questions for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you need culinary sleuthing of any kind, shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And of course, tag me in all your food adventures on Instagram at Let's Go on a Food Adventure. Okay, let's go on a food adventure. So I am coming to you live right now, recording during... So this is going to air this week on Friday. I'm recording this Sunday. It is one of the nicest days we have had in so long, it feels like. And I know that's a lie. It's just the weather in New England changes so constantly Like they say, if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute and it's going to change. And it does. It swings drastically from one way to another. It is so beautiful out. And I have my trusty sidekick sitting right next to me with a dirty sock. Oliver, my beautiful baby boy. He is an English cream golden retriever. His birthday is in November. He will be three. And he is a Sagittarius in case anyone out there was wondering. Yes. He is a fiery little guy and we love him. He's sitting next to me as my little support fluff and we are recording this week's podcast. This is going to be another bite-sized episode with me, which is fun. We are going to talk about leftovers. I thought we haven't really talked about leftovers yet and reruns of food and I thought it would be really cool to just go through some recipes answer a couple of listener questions together and talk about what to do with leftovers because I know a lot of people uh, went back into the office full time starting after Labor Day or right before Labor Day or somewhere around Labor Day and then you know the kids are back in school we don't have Todd and I um, didn't have any children other than our fur baby so we don't have that joy of dealing with packing school lunches and things like that but You know, it's you just feel this time crunch all of a sudden that we probably haven't really felt in a long time because of COVID and things being remote. And now all of a sudden things aren't remote. And so people are trying to get back into that habit of or that grind, you know, of batch cooking and trying to repurpose things and weeknight meals need to be maybe a little quicker than they were before. And, you know, no one's no one's taking the time to make like cocovan or like those impossible food recipes that take two days to make. You know, now people are like, okay, what's 30 minutes? Like legit 30 minutes. What are some shortcuts? I roasted a chicken. I have leftovers. What can I do with it? So that's what we're going to talk about today in this 
um, bite size rerunny leftover episode. All right, so let's kick it off with a listener question and an amazing segue from what I was just talking about. I know, I know, I'm awesome. Samuelson in North Carolina asks or says, I want to cook one protein. That's it. I'm busy. That's what I want to do. And I want it to last throughout the week for recipes. What ideas do you have? So I don't know if you're cooking for a family or if you're just cooking for yourself. Either way, you can double this recipe. And I think it would stretch at least for four days. Um, Because I know for two people, I can get this to go at least two days for two different meals um, for dinners and lunch. So you might be able to stretch it if you double it. Um, And if you're single, then this might get you four meals, meaning like four dinners. That's what I should say, four dinners. So I think you need to roast a chicken. You need to roast a whole chicken. I'll put a great roasted whole chicken recipe on the show notes website. If you want a quick shortcut for that, I would buy two pre-roasted chickens from the grocery store. I would probably get two because you're if you're going to eat this for dinner and then lunch the next day, I don't know how big of an eater you are or how much meat you eat, but I would say you might need two. If you want to try it with one, by all means, try it with one and we can try to stretch it. But here's a couple of ideas for your roasted chicken. So beyond day one being the actual roasted chicken dinner, which um, even if I was to get a roasted chicken from the, like a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store already pre-cooked, I might even eat that as like, air quotes, like roasted chicken dinner with maybe some roasted root vegetables, mashed potatoes, whatever floats your boat, wet your whistle, you do you, maybe, whatever. Next day, okay. So I would pull that night after you're done eating dinner, I would pull the rest of the chicken off the bone. So now it's kind of like shreddy chicken, or if you don't want to shred it up, that's fine. If you just want to take it off in chunks, that's fine. It's a little little barbaric, but I'm into it. I do it all the time. Taking it off the bone while it's still warm, pro tip, a little bit easier than when it's cold, but you do you. Um, It doesn't need to be like scalding hot, but for some reason, I don't know why Todd, my husband, could definitely explain this or the internet, but it is easier to remove the chicken while it's still warm. Just saying, just saying. But anyway. So I would take that chicken the next day. I would make a very easy skillet enchilada recipe. I would bulk up. I would use maybe a quarter to a half of whatever the roast and the amount of roasted chicken you have left. I would take a can of black beans, rinse them, drain them. And then I, and I'm going to include a recipe in the show notes and I would do a skillet and I would get a pre-made, I can recommend a good one, enchilada sauce. If you're feeling frisky and want to make your own, by all means, go for it. But we're talking easy, quick dinners, some fresh, really good corn tortillas. And I would just throw that together on a skillet, pop it in the oven, boom, dinner and lunch done. That might even get you, I'm not going to lie for one person that might even get you two meals out of two like full dinners out, and lunches out of that if it's made for four or you can cut it in half. For the next night, I would take the rest of that roasted chicken and I would make a kitchen sink soup. 
And what I mean by that is I love making kitchen sink style soups where it's like bits and bobs of veggies that are hanging out in the freezer that there's just a little of this left or a little of that left, a little of this left in the produce drawer, a little of that left on the counter for my potatoes and onions. Dice everything up, sweat it down a little bit, throw that roasted chicken in. You can bulk it up with some white beans, some like cannellini beans. You could add rice to that. But the only thing I would recommend, unless you're into it, totally up to you, I would take whatever starch you want to serve with this if you're not doing potatoes, um, say it's rice or noodles, cook it on the side, add it to each bowl as you're about to eat it uh, versus putting it all in the pot because it's going to get super swollen and soak up all of the stock in the pot. I mean, that's just my own personal preference, but you do you. The other thing that if you want another version of this is in the freezer section, you can usually find ricotta cavatelli. Um, it's just like a little wide kind of half cylindrical shaped noodle that's made with ricotta. And um, they're really good. They're very filling. They're little, they're like little pasta shapes. Um, but anyway... Get that, you can keep it in the freezer and then make some on the side and then make serve that in your chicken soup. You can add lemon and fresh herbs to it and then it's more of like a Mediterranean Greek kind of thing. You could go with a Southwestern vibe and instead of cannellini beans, add more, add the other half that can of black beans right in there. Put some tortillas in there, chicken tortilla soup, some hot peppers or even if you're, Really like, I just want to open jars. You can open some salsa, toss that in. Like, it's your world, man. Soup, soup it up. But I think soup, the soup will get you at least, depending on how big of an eater you are and what you can throw in, but at least two full dinners and lunches. And then if it's just you, and then the skillet enchiladas will probably get you at least two full dinners and two lunches if it's just you. And if you want to half those recipes, go for it. And then you can always throw the chicken on a salad. You can make chicken salad sandwiches with it. Or even just like, uh, you know, air quotes, like spa chicken salad with grapes and pecans and get some really yummy crackers and just snack for dinner kind of vibe. I, I think roasted chicken is such a wonderful, versatile thing. It's got so much flavor. You can just do so much with it, and I will put some links in the show notes for you for recipes. Okay. Amanda from Instagram writes, Quinoa, friend or foe? I'm trying to learn to like it. I'm still on the fence. Do you have any good quinoa recipes to kind of turn me into a quinoa lover instead of a quinoa meher? Okay, Amanda, I'm not going to like try to sway you to the dark quinoa side. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm just going to suggest, humbly suggest, you give it a try in a few of these recipes and maybe, just maybe, you might enjoy it a little bit more because quinoa is really good for you. It's got a lot of wonderful, filling, beautiful benefits, um, this little powerhouse of an ancient grain. But I also understand that if it's not properly handled or properly cooked, that maybe it's a little off-putting. So you first and foremost, you have to rinse your quinoa. Um, it has a coating on it. So rinse it really good under some cold water and then cook it. If 
it was me, I probably wouldn't batch cook a ton of quinoa. That's just not my jam. It doesn't take that long to cook. It's much quicker than even like brown rice to cook. So I think maybe I would make enough for two of these recipes at a time. Um, but if you want, you could make enough if you're really going to batch cook and do something and then try to freeze a few of these and use them throughout the week. You could definitely do that and make enough quinoa for all of the recipes in one whack. But I just wouldn't leave it in the fridge for more than a couple of days um, personally. That's just my own personal opinion. My rerun style when it comes to leftovers is really I eat it for lunch after that, I'll transform it into something else for one more go around, but then it goes for a ride in the country. So, uh, and what I mean by that is the trash, in case anyone doesn't know what it goes for a ride in the country means. So with quinoa, you can actually go from breakfast to lunch to dinner with it. I know. So I know a lot of people, and myself included, have done uh, quinoa as in... It not always do this, but sometimes as a replacement for oatmeal. So anything that you would put on top of oatmeal, you could actually put on top of quinoa. So I would lean more towards the sweet side of things personally for that. Um, but you can also do savory and like a poached egg, some bacon, um, whatever floats your boat in the morning if you're a sweet or savory person, but you can treat it as if you would treat how, whatever you would put on oatmeal. You can also make like quinoa baked little cups um, and you can put either, you can go on the savory route for that with eggs or you can make them almost into little muffins um, and go on the sweet route. So either way for that, quinoa is great for a base for any kind of grain bowl, whether it be Mediterranean, Greek, Asian, um, Italian, Southwestern, you name it. If you want to make a green bowl out of it and you top it with any other additional protein you want or veggie kind of style protein, by all means, it's a great binder in meatloaf. So if you wanted to make like a turkey meatloaf with it, that would take you through a couple of days too. Like all of these recipes you could easily make if it's just you. If you made one single version of it, most of these recipes serve four on average. So you could freeze part of these. Um, you could use it as a base in a stuffing for, say, an acorn squash or stuffed peppers or stuffed butternut squash or something like that. And think of the flavors that might go in with that. Of course, I'll link recipes in the show notes. I just don't know if you're cooking for just yourself or your family. But either way, I feel like you could easily take one of these recipes spread it out over a couple of meals and, you know, try the quinoa. Try it. Try it in a few different ways. And if it's not your jam, it's not your jam. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are so many other wonderful grains out there that you could try like amaranth and farro and I can keep going. But like there really are. There's so many different things other than rice and pasta. So as long as you're open to expanding your horizon a little bit, I think go for it. But quinoa is a great place to start. So happy cooking. All right. Carrie from Chicago Raids. It's just me. I'm single and I live alone, and I have the best intentions when it comes to going grocery shopping during the weekend. But then 
I buy too much food because I want to make too many things and by the end of the week I find myself throwing away a bunch of stuff because I got sick of cooking and I spent too much money. Can you help me find some recipes that may only use a single or two proteins that I can stretch over the week in a few different recipes? Thank you so much. I too was single and living alone for many years and I get it. Like I would, I would be so excited. I would go grocery shopping every Saturday or Sunday. I would have all these ideas of things I wanted to make. And then I'd get home from work during the week and halfway through the, the week, I'm like, I don't want to cook anymore. Or I don't want to make what I thought I wanted to make four days ago. I don't want to go to school, mom. No, I'm just kidding. But like, I, I get that. And I get the fatigue, decision fatigue is real. It's working and commuting is exhausting. And then to come home and you're like, I just don't feel like eating arugula today. Like, I get it. I totally get it. So, you know, if you really want to commit to, here's my hot two cents on this. If it was me, what I would do and what I tend to do during the week is I give myself a break. So I will pick, and my life is very different because my the food we eat in my house really gets dictated by the clients that I have and the photography that I'm taking. And so it's very different. But um, in a perfect world, say it's a week I don't have any shoots going on, I will pick a few different things and recipes that I want to make. And then I always build in at least two days where they're wild cards. I can either get takeout, Todd and I can go out to eat somewhere, whatever it is. But I don't necessarily need to put the pressure on my shoulders to cook. And if I decide I want to cook, I can run out and get something midweek or make something work with things I already have. You know what I mean? So for me, if I was single and living alone and commuting to work, I would, for example, I love some, and I have some in my freezer right now, some, you know, when you go to the the meat counter and they already have the pre-made sausages that are raw, not the cooked ones, but like the raw ones. And it's like either, sometimes they're pork, sometimes they have chicken that are different flavors, like whether it be garlic and ginger or sweet Italian, hot Italian. I think you know what I'm talking about. So I would get maybe like four links of those and say it's, I would pick one flavor. Maybe you do like two links of hot and then two links of the ginger garlic or just all ginger garlic, let's say. And then I would do one meal on Monday of a stir fry with the sausage, say we're going ginger garlic, four links. I would throw two links in that and I would do a fun crumbly sausage kind of Szechuan-y stir fry, make it really spicy, super yummy. Something else on Tuesday and then Wednesday, I would take the sausage and I would either, I would take it out of the casing raw. I would probably put, because now it's already flavored, right? So like you don't need to put a ton of flavorings in but I can link a recipe for it, but I would turn it into almost like a naked wonton kind of thing in a wonton soup. So I would get like make little mini meatballs with it. I would boil it in soup with baby bok choy, maybe some shiitake mushrooms, keep it really simple 
And if you have any, say, frozen raw shrimp in your freezer, you could put some of those in for a little more protein. But I would do something like that. So, but I would definitely use them within a few days. But then you, like the work is done for you. You're not eating Asian food two days in a row because that would be exhausting on my palate personally, but you do you. Um, so I would do, that. that's my advice. And then I always have eggs. I always have eggs in the house. So like my trainer, Kristen, and I joke about this all the time. She came on in the beginning of the podcast early on. And we always talk about, she brought up that, her and her husband once a week were on this kick that she would make a Dutch baby, which is uh, like a German pancake that's in the oven and it gets nice and poofy. It's kind of like crepe batter, but it's like a mix of like a big Yorkshire pudding kind of thing, but it's not like overly drenched in fat and um, or individual. It's like one big one. And you, with that, you can go sweet or savory, but I'll be honest. And she says it's not nearly as bad for you as like pancakes or waffles or something like that because it's more protein heavy. It's got tons of eggs in it, very minimal flour. It's really good. So I would do something like midweek, Dutch baby it up, maybe make it a, a universal. Well, I probably wouldn't make it and eat leftovers with it if I'm being honest, but I would have that one night. And then the next night with the, and then like another night with the eggs, I might even do just like a egg sandy or a scramble or a frittata or get like a pie crust, um, a pre-made pie crust and make a quiche. I love quiche and quiche I can do as a rerun for breakfast the next day. But that's kind of my advice that then you're only buying a couple of things. And I would just try to think a little bit outside the box of like how I can use these a little differently and I would also space them apart like every other day so you don't get super fatigued with your palate because when you eat something similar at least for me I know people who can eat my my sweet cousin she can eat the same damn thing for lunch and dinner every day for the rest of her life and she wouldn't care and that's just her for me that's not something I can do I need to be um eating different things every day many times a day. It's just who I am. But I hope this advice helps. All right. Millie from Instagram writes, it's just me and my husband. And, you know, we don't eat that much. But we bought, I bought a whole big head of red cabbage for one recipe. And now we have a lot of red cabbage. And I don't know what to do with it. Because I'll be honest, I don't really like red cabbage. Do you have any good recipes that kind of hide the red cabbage taste? Please help. I think this is hysterical because I'm guessing your red cabbage wasn't expensive. And I'm very proud that you decided to power through and not throw it away. So yay, Melly! One of my favorite ways to use red cabbage, and it might not be for you. I mean, none of these might be for you, but let's try, right? So I would get like a really sweet apple, whatever kind of apple you like. Right now it's apple season here in New England, um, like a honey crisp, super sweet. And they're like nice and big. They're so darn good. But whatever you get, make sure it's on the sweeter spectrum. I wouldn't get a tart apple because this is going to help with the red cabbage flavor. And I would sweat an onion down with some oil, um, get it really beautifully caramelized and sweet and 
Then I'd toss in the red cabbage and start sweating that down nice and slowly, not too slow, but you know, get it really nice and soft. Add the apple, get that nice and soft, not mush, it won't get mushy. Add in a tiny bit of apple cider vinegar, maybe a sprinkle of sugar. Um, this is going to be just a side dish where it's kind of tangy, just really yummy. It's one of my favorite ways to eat red cabbage. And like you could eat it with brats. You can eat this. I mean, we eat this all the time in the fall. It's And the other, the other way you can do this too is adding a little bit of pomegranate juice to it. Um, and that deepens the red flavor too. Oh, so good. And then add some fresh pomegranate seeds on top. Pomegranates are going to be in season shortly. Um, they're not quite yet. You might see some at the grocery store, but they're not. They're definitely not in season yet. They're usually a wintry kind of thing. But that would be my first suggestion because it's one of my favorite ways to eat it. And I'll put a recipe in the show notes for you. Um, okay. You don't like the taste of red cabbage. How can we hide it? So I've made this one before, and this is a Jamie Oliver recipe. You take the red cabbage and you're going to put it in a food processor and waz it up in there. And it's going to get into kind of like a fine, you don't want it to be mush, but it's really going to break it down into almost kind of like grains of rice, sort of. You're going to take some bacon, render bacon in a pot. Um, I believe there's onion, there's butter involved. I know there's rosemary, red wine vinegar, brown sugar. So all of these flavors, right? There might be a little drizzle of honey in there somewhere. So think of like if you like the flavors of rosemary and bacon and brown sugar and a little tang from the red wine vinegar and some butter and a little bit of honey, then this might be for you. And it's kind of like a riced version. So almost like if you've ever had cauliflower rice like that, size of a grain um but you're really going to taste the other flavors because they're bigger and bolder flavors the bacon and the um the onion and the rosemary are really nice and big and punchy flavors so i can link that recipe in the show notes for you okay and one last one that kind of comes to mind is and this is more of like an indian flavor so I'm, again, I'm trying to hide the red cabbage. If it was up to me, I like red cabbage, so I have no problem with um, using it as a slaw in things, a salad, putting it in, in Asian chopped salads, putting it in Italian chopped salads. I will put it in any kind of salad, but you don't like the taste of it. So let's hide it. If you have a potato hanging out that you can boil and peel and get it nice and, and mashed, um, you shred about a cup of the red cabbage, and then this is going to have flavors of like cumin, coriander. There's some honey, uh, honey, onion, green chili, ground masala, red chili powder, dried mango powder, those kind of things. And you make this really nice little pancakey looking guy. So it's like a, a potato red cabbage tiki masala-y kind of vibe burger looking pancake thing right like it's like kind of looks like a little potato burger thing that I mean it only uses a cup up but it's finally shredded enough with all of these other big bold flavors that I feel like that would hide it enough so I'll add that recipe as well and I hope these help and if I think of any more I'll put them in the show notes for you all right folks 
there you have it. A bite-sized episode of Leftovers. Don't you sleep on those leftovers. They're delicious. I'm going to include a handful more recipes for using up some of your delicious leftovers on my website. So make sure you head over to there, elizabethrfuller.com. If you have any questions for the podcast, shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and go over to Instagram, add me and tag me in all of your food adventures at let's go on a food adventure. And if so inclined, rate this podcast, give it a five-star review on wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Love seeing them always helps. So make some yummy food this weekend, lead with kindness, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye.